Is it really possible for a Jew to believe in Jesus as his Messiah and still remain a Jew? That's what Messianic Jews say. What is Messianic Judaism and how does it relate to the end times? For a fascinating interview with one of the foremost Messianic Jewish leaders in the world today, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Well, greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I am delighted to have with me this week one of the foremost Messianic Jewish leaders in the world today. His name is Joel Chernoff. He is a gifted musician and a visionary leader. He serves as General Secretary of the Messianic Jewish Alliance of America and President of the International Messianic Jewish Alliance. Joel, welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Thank you very and welcome much. Welcome to Shalom Texas. to you. Listen, <laughs> I was impressed with that introduction. That was good. <laughs> well, I just want to jump right into this topic yeah. immediately. We'll get to your background a little later. I want to ask you a question, and that is, what in the world is Messianic Judaism? Well, Messianic Judaism is basically first century faith, New Testament faith, in its Jewish, um, in its Jewish expression and culture. Uh, in, the first, in the first century, all of the apostles and disciples understood that, lived it. It was very, very normal. There was a dis, disconnect over the next 18 centuries. And then in an incredible fashion, the Lord brought back Messianic Jews again into the body and then also is restoring the faith into its Jewish context. Messianic Judaism is the fastest growing stream of Jewish faith on this planet. Wow. Today, so Messi- hands down. So a Messianic Jew is a Jewish person who uh, has accepted Yeshua as his Messiah. That is correct. Now, isn't it true that before Messianic Judaism uh, uh, hit the scene, there was something called he- uh, uh, he- Hebrew Christian or Hebraic Christianism? Hebrew Christianity. Yes. yes, and that was where you tried to convert a Jew to Christianity, but really made him a Gentile Christian, right? Well, most of the Jewish believers in the faith, and there were just a few of us yes. o- over the centuries, uh, they were pretty much forced to uh, give up anything Jewish and their culture and so forth. And they were in the church, and they were in a very non-Jewish uh, right. Jewish, uh, uh, setting. Around the 1880s, Jewish people in the church began to feel that they wanted to express Jewishness okay. again. And so they began to, outside of the normative church, have conferences and so forth, and they were called Hebrew Christians. Okay. Now, they were not fully backed to the first century Jewish, Messianic Jewish synagogues and so forth. But that was a first step. It was, it, it was considered radical, and they took a lot of flack for and it. Wasn't your father involved in that? Well, my, my, my father was involved more in the 50s and the 60s, okay. and um, he was a Hebrew Christian leader. What was his name? Martin Chernoff. Okay. And uh, mom and dad were really, really pioneers in the Messianic. Yes, in fact, they were the ones who really established the first Messianic congregation, weren't they? Independent one, where where the people paid paid the pastors the rabbi's salary, yes. 
They were the first, but there were actually many, many people soon after that also. Well, well let me, let me uh, read you some statistics here. Uh, I read an article some time ago mm-hmm. uh, that said that in 1967, when the Six-Day War occurred, there was not a single Messianic congregation on planet Earth, according to this article. And it said mm-hmm. that as of today, and this was several years ago, there were more than 400 such congregations in the United States and over 40 in Israel. Now, can you bring those statistics up to date? And oh, just- well, absolutely. I mean, that is very, very true. My uh, father used to say, he and his friends used to say, they actually knew every Jewish believer on the planet. (laughs) That's how small the remnant was. I mean, it was big news if anybody believed. After 67, that changed. There were no synagogues at all prior. And then after that, it just began to grow as God restored Messianic Judaism. Over 500 synagogues on the planet now, minimum. We, we aren't even days. sure. It could be way beyond And that. would it be accurate to say there's at least 40 in Israel? There's probably 80 or 90. Okay. 90 so now. that's bringing those statistics up. To Absolutely. Now, how do you explain this sudden explosion of, of Messianic Judaism after the Six-Day War in that, in that period of time? Was there a, a change in the way that people began to approach Jews to try to bring them to Yeshua? Why so many Jews suddenly coming to Yeshua? Well, you know, uh, there is something called Christ in Prophecy. Prophecy, which is this show, this is what this show is all about. The latter days, the scripture says, the prophets say, a couple of major things would tell us we, we have passed into the period called the end of days. The restoration of physical Israel, which took place in 48, 1948. And then God prophesied through many of his prophets, God, he would pour out his spirit once again upon the dry bones of Israel, my people's bones. And that started to happen in 1967. Dave, nobody can take any credit for it, but there wasn't any grand plan by any ministry or any great speaker that simply lit the fire. No, it was simply time in God's plan, the latter days, before he comes back to begin to pour out a spirit because doesn't the scripture say that the Messiah isn't coming back until the Jewish people say, blessed is he who comes in the name, name of God, the Lord. Absolutely. And Jesus so that himself said that. Jesus himself said That's that. Exactly I will not right. come back until they say, Baruch Baba Shem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's, that's exactly right. So that must happen first. And that began in 67. God just out of nowhere... In the, in the Jesus people revival of that time, very quietly, that was, that was the most important outpouring of the Spirit since the first century. Absolutely. Why? Because it included our people. Well, uh, By Joel, the tens of thousands. Uh, uh, you remind me of the prophecy in Joel 2, uh, verse 28. It's a right. book named after you. That's right. It's it says, after and it will come right. about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions, even on the male and female servants. And I will pour out my spirit in those days. But the key is that for it will come about after this that I'm going to, well, after what? You back up and the rest of the thing is talking about the return of the Jews to the That's land right. and the reestablishment of their state. And it says, after that, I'm going to pour out my spirit. This great That's end. right. And, and when 1948, the state was reestablished. And you know, it's amazing to me that one year later, in May of 1949, a young man that nobody had ever heard of was holding a, a tent revival in Los Angeles. And that revival grew every day, greater and greater and greater, until finally Randolph Hearst, who drove by every day in his limousine, couldn't stand any longer. He said, i got to find out what this is. He's a newspaper man. So he goes in, sits on the back row, and the next day he sends a telegram to the Hearst media, which was the media of the United yeah, States, and it true. said, Puff 
Graham. That's all it said. The next day, thousands of reporters descend on that tent, and the ministry of Billy Graham took off like a rocket, mm, touching amazing. more people around the world than any yeah. ministry since that time. And, and it's here it is, after the here Jews is. established right. in the land. And there's been many, many outpourings of the Spirit since then. But see, this is good news, really. Absolutely. Because you know, if this is true, and it is, of course, God is pouring out a Spirit upon us, the dry bones of Israel. God is breathing on us again. This is good news for all of the families of this earth because God says in the book of Joel, I will pour out my, my spirit upon all flesh. Paul, Paul actually says that if by the cutting off of some of these natural branches, all of this has happened, what will be the story when the natural branches are grafted back into their own tree? What, what does he say? Life from the dead. Right. Hey, that's good news. <laughs> that is good news. All of the nations can say hallelujah for that. So you are in effect saying that this great outpouring of the Holy Spirit and this uh, as evidenced in many ways, one way being a large number of Jewish people coming to Yeshua. Huge number, yes. Is an evidence that we're living in the end times. It's Abs- an evidence absolutely. of the soon return of the Messiah. Clear sign. That's a clear sign. The restoration of Israel spiritually was to only happen in the Final days, the last days. This is an in-game play here. I want you to know you're my kind of man. <laughs> I like to hear you say. Now, now uh, uh, wasn't though there a, a sort of a fundamental shift in the way in which people approached Jews uh, in the late 60s prior to that time, in effect saying to a person, you almost have to give up your Jewish heritage right. and become a Christian. You have to become a right. Gentile Christian. And suddenly saying, no, you become a fulfilled Jew. You don't have to give up your heritage. If you That's want right. to, if you want to follow the kosher laws, you can do that. If you want to observe the feast, you can do that. If you want to observe the Sabbath, you can do that. Right? That's right. And you don't have to give up your Jewish. After all, the apostles didn't give the up their Jewish heritage. Right. Paul exactly always right. went to the synagogue, observed these things, and continued to be a believer in Yeshua. Yeah, that was the exciting thing about this new move of the Spirit upon our people. There was a whole lot of supernatural harvesting happening there in the the late 60s and 70s. But out of that large number of our Jewish people saved, there was a narrow slice, Dave, of people that God put a vision in Mm -hmm. and said it's time to put the Jewish clothes back upon Uh Jesus. And that was where Messianic Messianic Judaism was born. I've got to tell you an interesting story. My uh, father uh, did not have a church of a thousand people or a synagogue of a thousand people, but he was a man of God. And he was prophetic. And let's face it, this whole show is prophetic. It's all about the mm-hmm. supernatural plan of, plan of God. In the mid-60s, prior to the outpouring of the Spirit, he would call us kids in. Once in a while, he would, he would get a, a vision, a Joel 2 type mm-hmm. of a vision. And he called us in as young kids. And he said, listen, I, I got to tell you this. And he began to share with us a vision. Of course, you know, we're 13, 14, 15. We don't care. <laughs> we didn't care, really. We're going, Dad, whatever. You know, whatever. But we sat there and we heard him. And this was interesting. He said, Joel and David, I saw a banner across the sky. And it said, Messianic Judaism. We had never heard the term before. Well. Okay. And then under that banner, towards a bright light, were flowing tens of thousands of Jewish people, many of them young, many of them young people. And he says, Joel and David, you know, we, could, we couldn't care at that point, but we were still hearing it. Mm-hmm. Parents, tell your kids, right. share with them. And I'll tell you something, within three years, the Spirit of God was poured out and my parents were ready. Most of, most of his 
colleagues rejected the revival because it didn't look look like their normal thing. It was a bunch of hippie kids mm-hmm. who were saved on fire for God. It didn't look the way that they thought it should. And so they missed it, but not my parents. My parents had that vision. We were right on top of it and, and soon formed the very first independent synagogue, Messianic synagogue. Wow. I tell you, that, that, is, that is exciting. And it's I'm exciting. going to tell in a few minutes about how I actually visited that synagogue oh, later really? on after they had wow. left in the early 80s. Wow. But um, I want to take a pause right here for a moment. Uh, uh, I'm sure many of our viewers are saying, Joel Chernoff, Joel Chernoff, Joel Chernoff. I've heard that name. I know that name from someplace. Well... You were the founder of a very famous uh, singing group called Lamb, and we're going to talk about that more later. But uh, we want to pause right here for a moment, and I want you to bless all of us. You want me to sing? I want you to sing my favorite Lamb song, which is Year of Jubilee. Hallelujah. Here is Joel Chernoff singing Year of Jubilee. When the name shall walk in the branch, you see with the Lord. 
welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and my special guest, Joel Chernoff. Joel, thanks for that song, ah, man. I tell you, you can't, you can't believe blessing. how exciting it was for me to hear you sing that because that was always my favorite Messianic Jewish oh. song. I wore out the tape, I wore out the CD, and then finally I get to see you sing it in person. <laughs> I, I'm hoping, okay. I'm hoping people will, will uh, order your uh, album. In fact, why don't you just uh, tell, uh, look right into that camera and tell Which people. Which camera is it? <laughs> tell, okay. them, tell them how they can order your uh, uh, videos. www.lamb.com messianicmusic.com lammessianicmusic.com What about an 800 number? Do you have an 800? 800-225-6522 800-225-6522 Thank you, Dave. Now, I want to ask you a question, another question, and that is, how did you come to know Yeshua as your Messiah? Well, my uh, parents, both of them, I mean, I, this is a boring testimony if you're thinking those terms, but it's the correct way. It really is the way it should be. Parents were both of them wonderful uh, believers, lived a, a godly a Your dad godly was from life. Canada, right? Dad was from Canada. Mom was from Tennessee. How does and, a Canadian uh, Jew meet a Tennessee Jew? Uh uh, he was he was actually out of Bible school. Okay. And then he was doing some touring in the South and speaking, and speaking about Jewish ministry and so forth. Did he grow up in a Messianic family? No, no, no. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That was an Orthodox family okay. out of Eastern Europe, Kiev area. The family fled the persecution. Did he come to know the Lord? He came through a uh, mission in uh, Toronto, Canada. As a Jewish believing fa- family, was like ministering there to all the kids in the area. Mm-hmm. And, and my father was a basketball player. And he had all of his boys, and they used to get, get together and play basketball there at this particular place. But they were forced to sit and hear the teaching uh-huh. and the prophecies first. And he sat there, and he listened, Dave, and listened, and just fought it and fought it. And finally, one day, the Lord got through him, and he said, you know what? Yeshua is the Messiah. Couldn't say the name Jesus for a year. Oh. It took him a year. a year. Yeshua was fine, but he couldn't Did simply because of persecutions. Him? No, they didn't. they didn't. No, because his family eventually accepted the Lord. Is that right? Uh, yeah, Praise yeah. God. They were kind of orthodox, moving towards secular yes, in the yes, new world, yes. and they had clothing stores and stuff like that. Up there. So you actually just grew up in, in a. I grew up in a believing family. family. Boy, and, that's the way it should be. <laughs> yeah, and I saw my father healed of an incurable disease. Oh my! Uh, of course, as a kid, uh, you know, he was practically he was practically dead. And then, and then a believer came over. He had his lungs were filled oh. with phlegm and emphysema, and he was dying. And and a believer came over, and that night he began to spit up all of this oh, phlegm. And by the morning, he was completely healed. Praise God! Ran down. He got it checked. And so I saw all of that. And at one point, my my parents would uh, would share with us about sin, mm-hmm. and suddenly I was just convicted that I did not have a covering for mm-hmm. sin. And I said, Dad, I think it's time. I need to pray. How old were you then? I was probably, I was probably about 12. Yeah. And so he took me in and I said, listen, I want to pray and I want to know that I'm saved. I want to know that I'm redeemed. And so, uh, and so, and so he prayed with me. And um, that was good, but I was not on, on fire until college. Till college, and that That's was in when the late sixties. I know, no, no. Well, that was during the uh, Jesus People Revival, the Messianic yeah, Revival. Man, I caught on fire. I'm telling you, that <laughs> we had in Acts chapter two prayer time in our little Hebrew Christian fellowship at that time. 
the kids were on... Were, was this in Cincinnati? This was in Cincinnati. We were all on the University of Cincinnati. And there was a lot of spiritual activity and people were coming on the campus and preaching and all the Jewish kids were getting stirred up and we were uh, getting stirred up. And we just decided, all of us kids, Hebrew Christian kids, a lot of Jewish kids there, and then some of our Christian friends said, let's get together to pray. <laughs> we hadn't prayed in years, Dave. And we didn't even know what to do, and we all gathered, and God's Spirit fell upon us. My parents weren't even there. We just gathered, and boom, the Spirit of God fell on us. We were in there for six hours, jumping up and down. We were never the same after that. Jumping up and down for six hours and repenting of sin and praying over everybody and casting demons out of everything alive and dead. Boom. Well, brother, I can believe that you were jumping up and down because (laughs) I've often said I have never seen anybody on planet Earth more excited about uh, the Lord than a Messianic Jew, a Jew who has found his uh, Messiah. Uh, Every uh, The very first uh, Messianic congregation I ever went to in my life was in 1983 when I was uh, preaching in Lexington, Kentucky. And a friend called. I got there a day early and he called and he said, David, have you ever been to a Messianic congregation? I didn't even know what one was. And I said, no. He said, I'll take you tonight. And that Friday night, I believe it was, we drove to Cincinnati to the congregation your father yeah. had founded. He had gone by then. Mm-hmm. And, and I came in there and, and it was packed out. And here was a fellow with a, with a, uh, a prayer shawl on, a yarmulke. Mm-hmm. He preached on I, uh, uh, Yeshua in Isaiah 53. Mm-hmm. And then when he finished, he called the elders up and they had people come up and they had prayer. And then he said, okay, the Lord's blessed us in the word. The Lord's blessed us in prayer. Now let's bless the Lord. And I heard a loud bang and I looked around and all these chairs were being pushed up against the wall and this rhythmic Jewish music started and somebody grabbed this hand and somebody, and first, next thing I knew, I was in a circle and I didn't know what to do and people were dancing and the lady next to me weighed about 300 pounds and I was concerned she was going to step on my foot and I kept my feet moving even though I didn't know what and I tell you, we, we worshiped for a solid hour. I was so ex- exhausted and then later on when I moved to Dallas, I went to Baruch Hashem yes. where Marty Wallman right. is the That's rabbi right. yes. and I tell you the truth. First time I went there, they asked me to speak, and I went there with my wife. They danced in the aisles for almost an hour and a half. I got up and I said, I have now observed worship aerobics. I'm telling you, Jews <laughs> no, who find their Jesus, they find their Yeshua, their Messiah, they get excited. That, that's exactly right. First of all, i got to shake your hand. <laughs> Mazel tov for that dance. I, not, not everybody feels that comfortable to get up, but... Give, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta give you some props on that. That was good. Well, it's it's so exciting to see. Uh, every time I meet a Jewish believer, I get so excited, and and they're always so excited, you know, about finding their Messiah. Yes, and so, of course, that is taking place all over the world. Do now. you have any idea how many Jewish believers there may be in the United States right now? I gotta tell you something. I saw a study. This is the most extensive study ever done in this country. 1990. This is what is it now? 17 years ago. Thick study, breaking down the Jewish community. They put the figure in their study of Jewish people believing in Jesus. They called them Hebrew Christians, Christians, Messianic Jews, etc., etc. 1.4 million just in this country, right? That was in 1990. I was shocked. I called them up. I said, listen, am I understanding this right? And they said, absolutely. You can take it to the bank. I was shocked. Now, that was 17 years ago. I don't think the Spirit of God has stopped moving since then. So we probably figure there's a couple of million at least, at least worldwide Messianic Praise the Lord. Folks, we're going to pause for just a moment and uh, have a message about this wonderful book by Richard Booker called Blow the Trumpet in Zion. I think it's the best book that's ever been written on the Jews in prophecy. Folks, the most valuable resource I have ever discovered for helping you understand the prophetic significance of Israel is this book here by Richard Booker entitled Blow the Trumpet in Zion. 
It is comprehensive in nature concerning all the prophecies about the Jews past, present, and future. For example, it shows you how four prophecies concerning the Jews were fulfilled before the 20th century began. Prophecies that they would be dispersed worldwide, that their land would become desolate, that they would be persecuted wherever they went, and that one day God would start regathering them to their homeland in unbelief. He then surveys the prophecies being fulfilled in the land today, such as the reestablishment of their state, the revival of their language, the restoration of their land, and their reoccupation of the city of Jerusalem. The book concludes with an overview of the prophecies concerning the Jews in the tribulation, the millennium, and the eternal state. We are offering this book for a donation of $15 or more. All you have to do is call the number on the screen and request the book by name, Blow the Trumpet in Zion. The author, once again, is Dr. Richard Booker, founder and director of a ministry called Sounds of the Trumpet. This book is not academic in nature. It's written for the layman. It is down to earth and easy to understand. And it will thrill your soul as you see how faithful God has been in fulfilling all His promises. You will also realize that we are living on borrowed time. Well, Joel, let me tell you something. As we bring this program to a close, I have two quick questions, and I don't know if we're going to be able to get both of them in. And one of them is, uh, Jews Jews say that it's impossible to be a believer in Yeshua and continue to be a Jew. In fact, the Israeli Supreme Court has even made a ruling along that line. What is your response to that? Well, I mean, it isn't, it isn't biblically accurate. In the Tanakh, the Old, the Old Testament, there were two kinds of Jews, always, always, Dave. Those that were following God and those that followed other gods. Mm-hmm. But they were never questioned in terms of them being Jewish and part of the nation of Israel. It was just that they were either following God or they, or they were not following God. Today, you can be Jewish and believe in Buddha. You can be Jewish and believe in believe Krishna in <laughs> and believe in nothing. So, I mean, it's crazy. Biblically speaking, if you're born a Jew, you will die a Jew. Now, of course, we believe that our faith is biblically Jewish and it's biblically what is preached in the Scriptures. So how can that be if the Messiah is Jesus, Yeshua? This is the most Jewish thing we could possibly do, right? Yes, Yes. Right? I agree. Okay. I agree. So yeah. we're agreed on that. That's good. <laughs> okay. Now, what do you say to those who are critical of Messianic Judaism? Because they say, well, they're, they're just Judaizers. They're trying to take people and put them under the law and, and do this sort of thing. Well, you know, I have, that's so common to hear that, especially in the past. But, but actually, Judaizing has to do with, with telling somebody that they've got to, to take on the Jewish culture in, in order to be saved. In order to be saved. That's right. Redeemed. If you take it beyond that, that's not biblical. Jewish people can be Jews. My goodness. (laughs) Can we talk? Come on. Romans 14 makes it very clear that we have the freedom in Christ to observe the kosher laws or not to observe them, to observe the feasts or not to observe them, to, uh, you know, we have the freedom. And all the early believers worshipped as Jews and so forth and so on. They preached a Jewish gospel, for God's sake, (laughs) to the whole world. I mean, come on, what is wrong with that question? I mean, come on. Well, Joel, you have just been a great blessing to us, and I want to ask you, would you come back next week and talk with us some more about this? Okay, well, praise the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. Okay. Well, folks, uh, uh, we're going to take him up on that offer, and so next week, uh, Joel will be back with us, the Lord willing. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries, saying, look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Christ in Prophecy is made possible through the faithful and generous support of viewers like you. 
please consider making a donation to Lamb and Lion Ministries so that we can continue broadcasting the message of Jesus' soon return. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.